Aha. Yeah. Pick it up. That actually, it feels like I'm holding a fucking bow. That's incredible. That is fucking incredible. Are you kidding me? Knock it and Are shoot. you getting it yet? <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Hey, it's Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Welcome back to another another hang. I, uh, I what? What? It's just funny being in the same room with you. Oh, awkward. Well, I was I was gonna do like a fancy introduction for the fact that we were actually like it's too we're, late. We're I in person it. today. I ruined it. But uh, well, we- thanks for thanks for hanging out. <laughs> Special thanks as always to our backers on Patreon. Uh, go over to Patreon. You can throw us as little as a dollar an episode to help keep this thing going. But uh, but yeah, so we the cat's are already out of the bag. We're actually here in the same room. We're together IRL. IRL, which is <laughs> actually super relevant to the reason that we even decided to record. Because we were like, <laughs> this whole thing started from, let's, do, let's have a work weekend, but we're going to not do the podcast. We'll make some videos or work on some documents or all of which are forthcoming things that you guys can, that, that dear listeners can consume. Oh yeah. They've been later. forthcoming for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened is I recently bought a, a VR rig. A, a like true of, modern current gen. Right. Hacked VR together, rig. uh, a computer that can support a, 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 a Vive, HTC Vive, which is one of the, the top-end VR headsets right now. Yeah, you had, what, an old recording computer, like your old production computer? Yeah, yeah, the computer we used to use for, like, editing video, it turns out, was beefy enough that it's that that I could just put a new baller uh, graphics card in yeah. there and it was enough to support this and so then, then plug one of these like current like the headsets that are the stand like the real headsets with like the sensors the standalone it's not like a smartphone it's a headset right little hand grippers well and so the reason that we were like oh shit we gotta fire this the rig up and record was <laughs> largely brian's reaction to experiencing vr for the first time so i feel like that's the place to start like what so this episode is going to be about <laughs> all manner of things VR, everything from the technology to where we see the the impact in the world. But I think the first thing is the the hardest thing for me as someone who has experience with VR, VR and who who is actually researching it for professional reasons. When people say, "Well, what's it like?" I always kind of like you really you have to experience. It's such a leap in experience from like say Xbox that you you can't it's it's very hard to articulate but you literally just had this experience that i'm talking about yesterday i'm i'm trying to think how to best share it because my urge is to do what you did you had it for you've had this for like a couple weeks and you almost not talked to me about it and i've been like "Eh, i guess it's probably not it's probably not really that interesting he's probably not even using it which has been every vr experience of my life Almost every like gaming experience since Nintendo, it's been like, eh, it's kind of like an incremental. It's like a new game. Mario looks a little different, right? <laughs> well, and so the difference that I always say is like this: this this iteration of VR is the jetpack we were promised. I like, remember playing Wii when it came out. Yeah, eight eight years ago maybe, and I remember the the Zelda Legend of Zelda game that came out with that. 
was the first game that ever really incorporated a little bit of like hand holding of things. You kind of had a shield and you kind of had a sword. And there was like, there were a few places in the game where you like waved your hand and like a door opened or something. But at the time, I remember thinking, oh my God, I just had a sword fight in a video game. My response after having played with this thing last night is, no way, I didn't do shit in Legend of Zelda on the Wii. I played a game, is it appropriate? I'm like, I'm overwhelmed with how unbelievable this experience was, and so I'm like nervous, I don't want to, I don't want to release too much too fast. Right, that's the same reason, (laughs) like you were just saying, like that I hadn't said too much to you about it. And usually I talk to you or we talk on the podcast about things that are exciting. Like the term, the technical term they use is presence, right? Like what they achieved with the current iteration of headsets is you really feel like you're there, but you can't, you can't understand the extent to which that works because trying to conceptualize the idea that like, oh, it's a video game system and it does video game things. It puts images of cartoons in front of my face and then I play games. It's, it's hard to line it's that, that up with That's the not fact. It anymore. I'm sitting here, standing here, whatever, playing on some weird thing that you have in your office because we both have so many strange things. Um, I'm standing on this like <laughs> flotation board. device. Uh, I just, in the last two nights, I've been here for two nights, and each evening we've played with the VR for a little bit. I, I mean, it's kind of all I've wanted to do, but we've made ourselves do other things. Um, I have an endless number of things that happened on that that were mind-blowing. Every two minutes, uh, we did something, and I, I, without meaning to, burst out with what the hell just happened. I can't believe this works the way that it just worked. I can't believe that the technology is doing this already. It, it was like, it was not only like no experience I've ever had before, it was actually everything you've ever seen in a movie. It was every interface, it was every interaction. I mean, it's certainly not to the resolution of reality. I wasn't like feeling physical interactions. I wasn't sitting on virtual couches, but I tried to. I tried to lean on walls and stumbled. I tried to lean on fences overlooking cliffs because I was terrified of falling over a cliff. I was on the top of buildings. At one point I walked, (laughs) man, we haven't even gotten to the physical presence that is the physicality you can walk around in these games, which had not occurred to me that that was a capability of the system. I was thinking that you're still basically just standing still and moving your head. The leap is so far now that you that you can't, it's just like... It's just something to new. To say, oh, it's a new way for video games. Like, it's not, no. just a, it's not just a different way of seeing the same thing you've always seen with video games. Although what you were playing, literally in one case, was Batman Arkham Asylum. The... Uh, comparison full game that exists just just saying this is a system for video games is silly absolutely silly the instant you get in one you immediately want your brain goes to all of the other things in life that could be augmented with this at least a super nerd who's been reading sci-fi books about virtual reality his whole life (laughs) well that's why i say that's the jetpack you were promised right like it's the jetpack we were promised it's it it's the thing that we have talked about in sci-fi for so many years it's also funny because when you first put it on, the technology is still actually fairly rough. I mean, it's, it's very complex. There's billions of dollars going into building these, these wild systems that you have in your living room right now. Uh, and we can get to the tech in a second. But uh, I put it on. I was like, mm, this is like real blurry. Like, it's pretty pixelated, man. I thought this would be a lot clearer. <laughs> but the engagement within 10 minutes 
you are absolutely floored. Well, it's 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 a it's a question of the extent to which the technology still fools your senses into having the experience of reality. So I walked over So not only was I in a bunch of places last night, just in games in general where you're up high, you're on buildings, you're on cliffs and stuff, I made myself walk off of cliffs to get the sensation of what it feels like to float in thin air over the edge of a cliff that's a thousand feet down. And it was extremely difficult to do. In every situation, I was I found myself leaning, there's we'll explain this in a minute too, but leaning up against the virtual safety wall to make sure that if I started to fall when I stepped over the cliff, I could lean against the virtual wall that was there to kind of give me a sense of safety in the games when you move to right. That doesn't even make any sense to the people that are listening, I think. No matter how I cut the first portion of this explanation, it's going to sound like we're just fanboying out about a piece of technology like we always do. We totally... So I feel like, let's take a step back. Like, Why do you need to take VR, AR, all these associated... Well, so let's even step back. VR stands for virtual reality. You also, in conjunction, hear about augmented reality, sometimes mixed reality. They are all just versions of changing the way that we interact with reality. Uh, Virtual reality is generally like a headset you put on that shuts out the external world entirely and then presents a a full universe with you. Augmented reality is like a piece of glass that shows you relevant information for the stuff that's in your space or... You could have a game where you whack a mole little creatures or something on your, but it's actually on your living room table or whatever. Let's not forget the two other experiences that come built in, which are reality, as we have called it, whatever the hell it is, your day-to-day waking life, and dreamscape, right? We come with two realities already. Right. And for some reason, our hardware tells us that one is more real than the other one, just to set a little... Right. stage here as we cruise through this there's well never mind the talking. reality piece <laughs> if you can cut whether one is more real than the other out of that we have mechanisms for perceiving both of them when you wake up you're like oh that dream was weird like never mind whether it's quote real or not it's an experience and your brain is built to process it right so we have the processing mechanism not just for what we consider the real world but also like made up weird shit that happens in your dreams and you're like, oh, I, uh, uh, the that sure felt real until I woke up. An interesting feeling. That's a really interesting comment, right? right? That, <laughs> that you have memory of it feeling real, and then memory of realizing that it wasn't real, but knowing that it still felt real. I I had a very strong dream experience after playing last night. The first night we played kind of goofy games. We did a bunch of simple things. We cruised around like Google Map type stuff. Last night, the Batman game. It's a crime-solving mystery game, but to a level that can't be shared. I mean, you I spent an hour walking around. Uh, this doesn't need back to be, alley in Gotham. A like. back alley in Gotham and a morgue, and I was like picking up uh, clipboards where other doctors had written notes about a body, and then I was examining the body and removing shrapnel right. and like uh, the inner the. I just those are the technologies that we're talking about as a broader scheme. Of, of things, right? And whether or not you think that's a thing that fits in your life somehow, the economic force that's pushing the generation of these tools forward is already the same thing that we talked about in, in how AI got so strong so fast. Because video game, 
the video game industry, whether you think about it a lot or not, makes more money than the movie industry on any given year. Games, big games so make So even if this is only a gaming thing, it's a billion dollar industry. Many, many billions of dollars. Well, we, so, so that money goes into continuing to develop the thing, right? So it's not going anywhere. Well, we started to talk about this last night, the economics of this. Uh, uh, very quickly when you're in VR now, it very quickly is apparent that this is going to replace your computer desktop. This is going to maybe replace your whole workstation in your office right now. This is going to replace video games. This is going to replace movies. This is going to replace music. Like, uh, this, so this economically speaking in this grandiose fanboy sense that i'm experiencing right now this elation over a technology i just used this is all those industries coming together and so this is everyone who goes to movies and watches them and loves them merging movies with modern video games merging with music merging with the screen like why would you have computer screens anymore that thing's not super comfortable to wear you're not going to wear that for 12 hours at work all day yet yet but that there's no way you're going to have a computer screen. I used computer screens in the game last night, and I had 17 of them in front of me for the same price as the headset. Like the the, inter, the economics of this as a technology, uh, it it, it act, it's a real thing now. Is why this is important. I've so, never used this. I've never used VR in the past and thought this is going to be useful at this point in its technological advancement. It now is unquestionably. And at that point, it will cost no more than a computer monitor, except you can use it to have infinite monitors in whatever space that you want. People are going to start buying headsets for their offices Mm -hmm. just because it's cheaper than the Mm -hmm. giant chunk of glass and LCD and LED and electricity sucking whatever that a monitor is and has to sit on your desk in your cubicle. I mean, I already looked up this morning. The first One of the first things I did was realize, hey, I'm about to invest in a new whiteboard for my office. And my first thought this morning was, wait, if I had a VR headset, I could have an unlimited number of whiteboards. I could have a whole, I could have an unlimited number of rooms, offices, spaces where I have whiteboard information and go walk around limitless halls of my ideas that I put up. And I looked it up and that's available. Well, what's really funny is- (laughs) That tool's available. When you, if you ever read up on like memory masters, like these people that have world records because they can memorize the order of a 52 card deck after flipping through it once- one of the tricks they use is called like the uh, in Sherlock they call it the mind palace, but it's if you <laughs> if you imagine yourself walking through a palace and you say, okay, Jack of Clubs room, then the Ace of Spades room, then the whatever, and you actually visualize what that room's like. Mm-hmm. It's a really powerful technique mm. for memorizing things. So we already kind of use this in our imagination in order to create this visceral experience that you're talking about so if you want to have a space where this is a space where i think about this problem and i want to not think about anything else you can actually make that room and as long as you sever the other channels of communication you can say to everyone around you i'm going to be gone for an hour because i'm going in the headset yeah i'm going i'm going to my research i'm going to my virtual research studio i mean i a a game i played last night uh you were in a wizard's tower in his room where he mixed in his, I called it his den or something. I was deliberately not paying attention when you were playing that game because I want to experience it without having watched you do it. The uh, <laughs> You're in the top floor of his tower, uh, and it's where he mixes spells. And so the room, first of all, you get it, and it's this incredible nerdy fantasy office. I mean, it's, it's a wizard's office, right? He's got all of his creative 
Uh, the second is fun. This was the best part. <laughs> you didn't even, you didn't like think about this and then come to the idea that this is an office. The second that it materialized and you in front of you, what you said aloud to me was, "Look at this fucking office." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a healthy response or an unhealthy response, but I think it's a fair comparison. In front of you in the, this wizard's office was his or her. In complete mix of potions and vials and newt eye and dragon scale and gems and a talking skull that guides you through mixing spells. And then you test them in the office and all of his collectibles, uh, all the stuff that you have on your wall here in your office, posters of concerts you've been to, guitars that you play. Uh, this wizard had swords and, and shields and dragon heads and you can interact with them as you're mixing spells in this bowl. You... you, you I don't know you call it you virtually in this game pour liquids and put gems in this thing and then you stir it with your hands and then you pick up crystal balls and you play sounds on a xylophone that warp you to another world where you can test your spells i feel like presence so i i physically felt like you were transported to room, another world. right i i in reality there's no distinction between that and me playing xylophone right here in your office and physically being teleported to the top of a mountain to shoot a fireball the, the controller is rumbling in, in my hand. I My brain was in presence saying, wait, is there heat coming from the controller? There was a point where I walked over a grate in another game last night, and I happened to walk, the grate happened to be right where your AC vent was, and I almost fell over. I walked over the vent and felt air come up, and I, I felt like I wanted to cry, like I wanted to get out of the game because I was overwhelmed. It was so weird. So that's the experience. So the funny thing with this conversation <laughs> is we keep trying not to talk specifically about the experience because it doesn't mean anything to you until you actually experience it and then go, oh, we'll probably have to cut a lot. I of get it. It's out. real. So talk about the, just the experience in the real world of the hardware, right? So I don't even fully remember how we ended up playing because at some point I explained all of the technology to you before you even put the headset on, which I would never do for it to a normal person. <laughs> uh, totally. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with, I'm generally familiar with what it was going to be. There's, there's a headset, which essentially looks like ski goggles, big ski goggles that kind of strap them over your head uh, with uh, like a Velcro elastic thing. So you've got this big ski goggles on your face. And it's mostly made of plastic. It's pretty light. Yeah, it's mostly plastic. feels like ski goggles. It feels, it's, you got a lot of stuff on, then you got to put big headphones on. Or you, we had little ones into at some point. The big ones like really put you right. in the world. It certainly um, doesn't stack up to the weight of a, like a motorcycle. No, so you, headphones and, and an eyepiece. It's what people, people are picturing. The component that adds to it that I've never used before, even though I've seen them obviously read about them, were the two hand controllers. Which on this essentially were Wiimotes. Essentially, I mean, you might as well just say they're Xbox controllers, right? But they're a single hand. You have one in each hand. Um, they're sort of like got a, a bunch of buttons with it. They're like a spatula. Yeah, they like feel if like you, if you imagine the general ergonomics of the yeah. thing that you flip pancakes with, that's kind of one of those, but like upside down. Yeah, it's just a handle. Picture grabbing right. a tennis racket, and it's got some buttons, and then it's got a bunch of fancy tech right. sensors on it. But so you grab that stuff, you strap those controllers on. Uh, and then you're essentially in the world. You you put it on and the game comes on or whatever. They're not even a game, right? The menu. But what are you, you first looking at, right? The menu. What's the you're, first space? And so the first space is, I think it's just the menu world is just almost infinite blackness in every direction. Uh, there's sort of like a... Uh, graph paper on the ground, right, to give you a sense of distance as the graph to spreads you out. Orient yourself, and and then in the actual physical you look room, up you have to walk to the and center. And the moon 
in the Vive, HTC Vive is what we were using last night, the moon is humongous. It's like directly above you. It takes up a third of the sky in enormous perfect detail. It's a beautiful starry night and you're just standing in this infinite space under the moon. And then to like one side is sort of a traditional screen interface of games that are installed on the computer. <clears throat> so that was what that was roughly what I was expecting. You know, you look down, you've got these controllers. Uh, in some of the games, they turn into physical hands. You can see your fingers moving and stuff. But at the moment, they're they're controllers. It's pretty wild because when you put the headset on, you then can't see the real world. And so you would hand me the controllers, and I would see a controller float up out of nowhere. You'd turn it on, it would show up in VR space, the exact physical thing I just saw in real life, which is kind of the only connection between uh, regular reality and this virtual reality. I just saw that thing, and now I'm seeing the virtual one float towards me as you bring it to me, and then I reach out, not really expecting to touch it, but then it's there, and it's physically identical. And so I reach out in reality to grab this virtual thing I'm seeing, and it then is physically in my hand. That's a pretty weird... That's the, that was the first thing where, you're, where your brain isn't sure what to do, isn't sure what's happening. I had the exact same experience with the Vive, which at the time was the only way to experience the Vive because Oculus hadn't put their thing out yet. Mm -hmm. But like anything with a controller that is tracked by the system, you the first time you use it, you have this experience of going, okay, I'll grab it. And then when it's there, you go, oh, shit. It's, okay. It's weird. And then the next experience is when you click and it does a thing. Then you go, oh, like, <laughs> so then I ran you through the, just the intro thing for uh, HTC. Like all of these systems have some sort of generally fun to use version of introduce you to all the controls and, and the, the universe mm -hmm. and how it feels and stuff. And so I started you in the HTC, explain the Vive intro software. Well, I almost can't describe that fully without going one step further to the piece I skipped with that. Or we can talk about the, the technology. The physical. Like, yeah, let's talk about we're kind that. of talking about the physical. Like, you put this on your head, and then... That's all I knew to expect. The next thing that happened, I was not expecting with the system. I'd never heard of it. I didn't know it was part of it. And it that is the piece that floored right. me. Absolutely. I knew I was going to hold something physical and have hands and stuff. I've seen those 2D videos. And so one of the things that's an interesting component in these is there are lenses in there, but it's just a plastic lens that partially blurs things in on the screen to make up for the fact that, like the screen is, I guess the most important thing to understand about the screen is that it's it's no different from the screen that's in your cell phone. It's a, and, and anyone who's tried one of those little like Google Cardboards or something where you put right. your smartphone right up to your eyes, that essentially is what this is. Yeah. Uh, it's just higher tech and there's a whole extra, there are many extra layers of sensors that are going into making this reality. Um, but tech-wise, you're holding a cell phone up to your face. Right. Um, and so the headset, when I put it on, there are a bunch of adjustments. You, there's a focus ring. There's like a lens thing to make the lenses in front of your eyes because head sizes are slightly different. So there are a bunch of adjustments to physically uh, fit it to your head. Um, and then once it's on, the, honestly, the optics are not, not mind-blowing at all. It's, it's, it's fairly pixelated. It's more pixelated than I thought it was going to be. It's, it's fairly blurry. The, well, but the this is 3D. part of what's interesting, right? Like, you want to use the term pixelated because that's what we're used to when you talk about, like, 8-bit geometry. But it's not actually, like, when you play the game, it doesn't feel pixelated right. because pixelated is not the right word. The graphics aren't bad. 
no the screen the physical the screen. density of the pixels on the screen is right. so close that you get what they call screen door and like right. basically just looks like you're looking at the world through a screen door yeah like it's not like you look at something and go that's far away so no, it's, the, it looks the, like shitty pac-man the graphics are right? gorgeous if the screen technology as the screen technology gets better the graphics are already there the graphics were stellar and then once you're in games right uh you don't you don't notice but that first interaction uh, you're just you're hypersensitive, you know, and I think I came into it actually with a lot of negativity because I did I did not expect this to be super. I kind of well, thought I'd play with it and not really be interested and not feel a lot of applications for well, it. Well, that's kind of what I was saying is like it's it's because this world exists already of screens and phones and video games and like all the stuff that goes into the pitch I just made about why this is a th- exists in a world that already exists. Video games is like y- you. If you take your phone and you put it real close to your face, it, it's you're like, oh, that looks shitty, <laughs> you know. For sure. So when you think, oh, I'm just going to put one of those in front of my face and it's going to somehow fool me, it, it, I understand why everybody's sort of like, nah, I don't buy it. You definitely, the step there that then is different is that the headset encapsulates a full full view. You have full lensing essentially. You almost have your full, uh, uh, I can't even think of the right term, uh, range of field view. Of view full, yeah. Field of view. Yeah. You have your full field of view. And the system actually, that you started to touch on, it blurs kind of just like your eyeballs do. Your eyeball actually only focuses on a very small part of its its visual field. The rest of it, if you could see a picture, you'd be like, why is my visual field so blurry? Right, so blur- like your it peripheral is. vision is fuzzy, right? Like everyone yeah. is sort of aware of that periphery idea. And they use that because... It's, it's, it's this funny, like, if a tree falls in the forest sort of philosophical conversation that, that, that frequently comes up for us when we're talking mm-hmm. about AI. Like, if we're not here, does the rest of the world render? In virtual reality, they don't render the rest of the world unless you're looking <laughs> at it because it's a waste of resources. And so with a lens that just blurs the outside in a way that you don't even notice because you're used to it being blurry, they're able to make better use of what we do have for display technology and this is why this is the big wave, because this is the first time it's really like, oh, they got it. And so describe. They like, got it. Like, talk about how much totally. of our perception of the world has to do with the fact that you have two ears. They're on the side of your head and you move around a space. Sure. Like, you don't think about how the sound changes when you're in a room and you turn to face the other direction. But it has. And your brain is aware of it, and that's how it's calculating your position in space so, at any given time. It's, it's, yeah, it's actually, that's a very important thing to address here. And that's funny, because that's a layer of this that comes before the next thing that I'm really excited to, right. to explain that, again, I wasn't expecting. So, right, it has total stereo sound, right? You've got two headsets in. I actually think I missed a lot of the sound, because I had one out most right. of the night, so we could talk while I was doing this. Mostly because I'm too frantic to do things like this by myself. I needed a lot of handholding, <laughs> or I would just, like, stare in my reflection in this virtual world for an hour. Um, but right, totally. You have two eyes and two ears specifically so you can judge direction and distance, uh, with everything that you see in here. And so, uh, I can't necessarily say that there were times in the game last night where I was like, Ooh, this thing sneaking up on me is back to my left hundred feet away. Although I'm pretty sure that was in there cause I didn't really have the heads again. I wasn't doing the audio properly. I wasn't alone really. Um, but visually, uh, absolutely the whole the, the presence, visual presence in the game uh, just felt real. 
there's so, no other way to say it. It felt like I was on a mountain. It felt like I was in Gotham on top of a building. And this one's a lot of fun. So there's there's a difference between binaural sound, which is sound meant to match up with the fact that we have two ears, mm-hmm. and the idea of stereo sound, which is just two channels. Mm-hmm. But if you take surround sound, which is seven channels, usually plus a subwoofer, and you put those all around your room, like I think a lot of people have experienced surround sound mm. and the way that you're just sort of like, oh yeah, that was behind me. But only every once in a rare while does like a, a twig crack and you go, oh, <laughs> you're like, oh, it's just the surround. It's just the surround. Like you can also achieve that experience by leveraging the fact that we still only have two ears that we're even using to get that sound in there. So you don't need seven speakers if you record you make up whatever sounds you need to have made and whatever directions they're coming from and you set up the seven speakers or 20 speakers or 150 speakers if you're in the right studio and then you record it with a special mic that is actually shaped like a head with two fake rubber ears on either side of it (laughs) and then inside of that ear is a microphone that picks up sound roughly in the same pattern that your eardrum does if you record that in as stereo and play that back out through headphones, you can 100% trick the brain into going like, there's some shit behind me. Whoa, <laughs> that was real weird. And in a digital space, you can just program it to do that. Right. You just play the sounds the way that that would be represented if you recorded it in a real room with that fake rubber head. So they do the same with the eyes on the display. And so the left eye is seeing something slightly different from the right eye. And because you're manipulating the mechanism we use to perceive depth, your brain can't tell the difference between you being far away from me right now in the same room and Batman standing 10 feet away from me as they introduce the character. Like The piece that got me for how real per- perception, depth perception and visual reality was, was really the scene that I mentioned a second, a few minutes ago, where I was standing in front of like a virtual, I was standing in front of the Joker or I was, I was watching a, a slow motion 3D render of a of two superheroes fighting as I was like trying to figure out what was happening during the fight and who it was. I was doing a detective case watching uh, this re-render of a battle between two superheroes. And the the characters just I kept reaching out to touch them in the game. And obviously there wasn't quite there is haptic feedback, which we can get to in a second, but I didn't I couldn't feel their face, but I just kept expecting to. And the the quality of that rendering I mean, they had, like, acne imperfections on their face. The skin looked real. The faces looked real. When I made eye contact, I got little shivers from a creature, like a monster. The Joker was standing in front of me. And another interesting part with this was you never really get a sense of scale in video games. You're watching on TV. In this game, I was very aware of the fact that I'm taller than all of these characters, which was a strange experience. All of a sudden, I was standing in front of a I rendering think in the of the mythology, Joker. the Batman. Batman is like six four or five. Batman's tall. There He's was tall. A rendering Batman's of Batman. Tall. Batman in this game was almost my height, and I'm standing there in front of Batman, looking him in the eye, and he's bulky in the Batman suit, and I was terrified. In the game, I'm thinking, what if this? I know this is a little rendering that's not doing anything. It's just here for me to look at the character. But if it moved right now, I would lose my mind. First of all, because I'm like in really close, looking at his face, like poking and things, and then also I'm, the physical presence of that being in the game was so grandiose so big so real i realized that that virtual creature would have beat my ass (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) and uh, so so that i took us into a everything that you described there though 
is there's 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 two pieces we covered so far, right? We got the displays, so those are those are your eyes. We got the sound piece we just sort of talked about really quickly. Mm-hmm. Now talk about motion. So this is one of the big things where like what it, what it comes down to is this is just a confluence of we figured out music and we figured out all this sound stuff because we wanted music and we wanted better sound for our movies. And we figured out all this visual stuff because we wanted phones so we could reproduce pictures and videos yeah. with better quality. And it's all converging in this one space right yeah. now where because of the stereoscopic vision and because of binaural sound, we now have these two things where with remarkably high fidelity, you can convince someone that things are happening around them. And then the kicker in VR that we pieced together really fast from a mess of other technologies over the last five years or so, like, which is really unfair because they've been working on this for 50 years. <laughs> Millions of years. But like... <laughs> Since the universe started. What really has come together recently now is motion tracking. So describe the experience of... We already talked about it a sure. bit with the controllers because those are motion tracked. Yeah. And we can... And in a second, we'll go a little deeper into the actual technology that the Vive works Definitely. on versus the Oculus. But like explain more just the experience of you turn your head and it goes. You well, you lean forward and you get closer to a thing, right? Like the, watching you do this is so hilarious because but you in particular because you're very like you you like to get up close and look at things. <laughs> so places in the I'm Batman like right game where I was like, "Oh, there's a hard drive and there's a slot labeled hard drive." And I'm just like, "Grab the hard drive, jam it in." You were like, what is this? <laughs> and closely looking at the slot, inspecting it. And there were saying things like, there's light coming out. Am I supposed to do something here? I was dying <laughs> to look into a microscope uh, because I, there were a couple times. Going, Where's the microscope? <laughs> there were a couple times in the Batman game because, again, it's a detective game. Um, and so I kept using equipment of his to analyze things. Like I used a, I, I took a blood sample out of my arm. Put injected it, removed a little cap off of a blood vial, inject, put the squirt of the blood in there, like multi-hand things happening here. Put the put that in a centrifuge, turn the centrifuge. Like in any case, the you can there are two layers to the physical movement in the game. The first one is your body moves around. I was expecting that, right? That you grab the controllers, and in most of the games, you actually had physical hands. The controllers, the rendering of the controllers, which maps to the real world, they turn into hands in most of the games. And so you can do things like pick up guns, for instance, classic, right? Everyone's expecting there to be guns and swords. Um, But the hands go wherever you move them in the video game. There's sensors in the room that we'll get to in a minute. That physical room. The the physical room. Uh, the physical room is measuring where the controllers are, and so the game renders your hands there. So in the game, you're seeing your forearms and your hands wherever you put them, and that presence is is basically identical to reality. So the twisting, the turning, the the gripping, not all the fingers yet, but in some cases, yes, you see trigger fingers and your thumb. There's a thumb sensor and stuff. So you're seeing your physical hands, which is incredible presence for your brain. Uh, and then the same thing is happening with the visor that's on, the the ski goggles. Uh, same sensors and so anywhere you move your head it moves in the game so you can totally turn 360 degree views your hands go with you You can turn side to side you can lean forward you can look down you can look up uh, anywhere your head goes and so like if you stoop to look under a desk that's what happens well that's where it starts to merge into the piece that I was not expecting that I realized I've seen the videos of people leaning and looking and looking around corners and stuff but all of a sudden because of the way this is tracking where your head and your hands are, 
you the first time you realize that you can duck behind something in the game and it moves you there you realize all of a sudden that you have full motion in the game and so it started with right you said hey put the disc drive in the disc thing and i was like oh i want to look into the disc thing and i looked in and i saw the stuff that you'd expect in there right like something that's going to read a disc i looked in the disc like an old nintendo game and had an urge to blow on it <laughs> and all of a sudden in the you get into a game where there's like someone shooting at you and you're used to just like i'm going to shoot them and if i hit the b button i'll duck behind the trash can but there's no b button to hit and you're like wait what do i do i'm getting shot and you go just get down behind the barrel. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, no, just do it. <laughs> just physically in, in the real world right now, get behind that barrel. And you get behind the barrel and you're behind the barrel. You're, it's, you're, you physically go there. And then the piece that I was not expecting, I did expect the head. I expected to be able to see 360. I expected it to control my hands and my head. I didn't realize what was coming with this particular system, uh, the HTC Vive. It's unique to this one, I think. Uh, there is presence in the physical room, and you can move around the room. So your entire living room was the game. And to, to put that in perspective, I think the space that we cleared in your living room last night was maybe 10 by 12 or 10 by 8. It was a good-sized space. It was like a, a, like a bedroom space. And the game knows where you are in the whole thing. So when you enter into a room in the game, not only are you looking around in 360 and using your hands, but I can walk around the room. I can walk around a whole room and interact with every single thing in the room and pick the things up, move them around, toss them to the other side, go get them, pick them up. There's a game where you play fetch with a freaking dog. <laughs> Simple game. You're on top of a mountain and you're picking up sticks and tossing them and this little robotic dog brings them back. And you feel like you're on a walk in this Norwegian mountainscape playing fetch with a robot dog. <laughs> you reach down and pet him. You have to get on the ground to pet this small dog. You yeah. physically are kneeling down. So, so there's two pieces there. One, the... The actual room is the thing that is currently unique to the Vive, technologically speaking. Um, but there's two pieces to that. One is positional tracking, and the other one is what's called room scale. So the first piece, positional tracking, was the big one of the big things that adds up to all of this tricking your brain so effectively. It's like you don't think about how the part that the motion plays and how you sense the world when you're just doing it so much. Because you don't perceive the shift of the sound as I turn away from the mic and then I toward, turn back the mic toward the mic. And, you know, like you yeah. can hear that get softer and louder as I moved my head just now. But your brain is picking that up all the time, constantly. Mm -hmm. And so position has a lot to do with this. And so being able to track the head, what you can do with the same basic accelerometers that are dirt cheap now because they're, they're in every smartphone and there's billions of smartphones smart devices they're in every ipad they're in anything that any motion tracker has an accelerometer in it so these things are are commodity scale cheap at this point with those sensors you can tell when the head tilts and when it you know when it kind of moves around you can approximate like a lean backward because it knows what the accelerometers are doing so it's detecting the motion and using that to calculate head motion Head position though is hard. Like if you if you if you lean forward instead of tilting your head down, then it's harder for a computer to know that you've moved through that space. It can't. Uh, you can't know that without some other sort of measurement. You can only know angles. But they when they figured that out, it's another one of those things that made people that put the early even versions of these headsets on go, oh, 
whoa, that was a multiplier I was not expecting. Like these, every time you combine one of these two things in the way that we're talking about, it's not just like, oh, hey, one new thing. It's it's a 10% yeah. better. Like these things are, it's now it's 100% better than it was because we put vision and sound together. Now it's a thousand percent better than it was because like, because then you put the position in and you go, oh shit. Like the fact that then I turn my head and the sound changes the way that it should in the real world. That's a, like this multiplier. This has this system now, the technology now, specifically the HTC Vive with the room presence, or what did you call it? The room room, room scale, scale. Uh, has now fully 100% captured what it is to exist in a three-dimensional universe. So every single aspect of, of three-dimensional reality is reproduced in virtual reality now. You don't have there are things that you don't you can't you don't feel physically things. feel the rain, but the yeah. physicality of being in three dimensions has never existed before, and it's fully captured now. I mean, it's captured the bulk everything. Every it turns out, and and the whole time that people were working on this tech, they we never knew like we didn't know which piece was going to be the one where like oh we got that and now it really feels like presence right. So was, earlier I was talking about the idea of presence, like you actually really feel like you're there. And so even with Oculus and stuff early on, like there was still the question, okay, well, but when I, if I can't feel the wind, am I going to have any sensation of flying or is it just going to be like, well, watching a video of flying, which don't get me wrong, like that footage of the, the GoPro strapped to an eagle's back (laughs) was amazing, right? It's not the same as skydiving because you don't have the rush of the wind and you don't feel that, you know, like, so... So there was the possibility that you're going to pop that headset and go on and go, eh, it's compelling, but it turns out like 90% of what we use to perceive the world is covered through sight and sound and their interaction with everything else and, that we and do. The, and the, the, the positioning where you are, right? Right. right. That, that piece, uh, that was, I was not expecting that at all. And that piece was one of the most interesting to me. The fact that I could walk around a room. Uh, and if, as a descriptive for people who are familiar with it, you, when you set up your HTC Vive, you clearly at some point had to draw out, map out your room where physically right. I could go in your room without tripping over a couch and falling down. And so in the game, as you're moving around this space that was again like 10 by 12 feet, a fairly large space, uh, when you got close to the edge a holodeck type wall would pop up so that you'd know you were about to walk into a couch or something into a real and so wall. just a big uh, <laughs> blue there's, there's like somewhat blue captivating grid. visually yeah uh, bluey glowy laser wall would show up and you'd put your hands out and you could tell that you were about to exceed the space you were supposed to leave um and even just that i probably spent 15 minutes walking back and forth between the walls and having the virtual wall pop up and it, funny enough, does not have a ceiling on it. It doesn't tell you when you're close to the ceiling because I don't think most people like me are going to shove their hand in the ceiling 25 times. I've done it once, but <laughs> but I'm not I'm not as tall as you. I, uh, I we're lucky the controller could stand up to but ceiling impact. This is so this is part of what's interesting in terms of the competing systems. So Oculus and Vive are the big ones. Oculus is pretty well known because it it was out in front and it was owned by Facebook. The way their tracking system works it knows where you are in in space where you are in space relative to the sensor so it can it can track position with fidelity but it doesn't have a second 
like a, it doesn't have enough redundant, it doesn't have enough sensors to triangulate the position, your position relative to those sensors in actual physical space. So I guess is the first thing to talk about to understand that piece really quickly to talk about how many sensors you need in order to triangulate position. Like this is a map thing. You can do it with a compass and a map right. and, a, and a view <clears throat> to the horizon. You can triangulate is what they call it and know where you are in space. Yeah, I mean, we live in a three-dimensional world, which means to know where you are, you need three measurement positions. You need to know where you are kind kind of north and south on a map, where you are kind of east and west, and where you are vertically. If you're a bird, how high are you up in the atmosphere if you're a plane or something? And then if you know those three positions, you know your latitude, your longitude, and your altitude, you physically know where that plane is in the physical 3D space of our planet and our atmosphere. And without those three measurements... Uh, you, you don't know where something is. For instance, if you want to know where you are on a map, you need, you need two coordinates on a, on a global planetary sense, right? You need a latitude and a longitude because it's essentially 2D. The Earth is, the Earth is flat, so <laughs> there's a, you need two, two positions. It's not flat. That was a knock at people who right. still think it's flat. It's basically flat, though. So in their defense, it's well, kind of so, reasonable to think it's flat. So the positional tracking... It has to do with how sensors are arranged and what those sensors are looking at. And it, uh, the, it, if you have a map, you can do what's called triangulate position. I think people have heard that term. That same thing escalates through dimensions. You can use a certain number of points of data about where something is in space to calculate where another thing is in space. And so... The two different systems have, or not two, there are many systems popping up now, but there are two different ways of achieving this. Either by having a camera that looks at things, or by having, like, they call them uh, outside-in or inside-out systems. So outside-in is you have either the headset is spraying out lasers and a sensor can pick it up, and so it knows where it is in space based on that um, input. Or the opposite, which is how Vive works, which is you set up little, they call them lighthouses, little boxes that spray laser all through the room, and then the sensors are on the headset and the sticks instead. And all the systems are different combinations of ways of employing that sort of thing. Room scale is done with two sensors on either corner of a square of space that because of a, you, you, you set them up and then you calibrate it. So you tell them where the middle of the space is and then you tell them where the floor on the space is by putting the controller there and then pressing a button. And then you walk around the space and draw the outline of where you want to be able to go in that space. And that's enough data that because of their dual sensor set up with the lasers being sprayed, that they now actually have a scale for what distance is what in your room, which is called room scale. Something that isn't room scale knows where you are in space, and it knows how much you've moved relative to where you started. So it can say like, okay, you're in the middle here. If you do walk 10 feet away from the camera, like we can see you. And we know that you've gone 10 feet, but we don't know how that 10 feet corresponds to your room without more sensors out in the room. 
So the Vive is actually able to get the scale of your room, which means it can create a 10 by 12 space that you can walk around in computationally to match that all up vertically a, or, or virtually. A good uh, place where you experience this already in day-to-day life is anytime you're on your phone and it says, please enable cellular to get better resolution on your map. Uh, it's because your phone at that time is only using GPS satellites, which is like a s- satellites approximating where you are, which for various reasons, whatever reasons, uh, the resolution is not as good as using cell towers to triangulate where you are. So if you happen to be in a place that's densely packed population, there are going to be three or more cell towers a lot of the time. And given those cell towers, they can measure where you are and identify your position very, very closely. So yet another way that you're being tracked all the time, by the way. And that, <laughs> and that methodology scales. And so you can pull that down to a smaller and smaller scale and it still works. Meaning... In the room, it's it's in a room, it's fantastic. We, we can do the exact same thing in a room, and in, and it's one, it's so perfect that you can't tell the tracking is any different. So it's funny because it's another it's another technology that we dialed in over time to make our things like our cell phones and the internet better. And then we went, oh, this works the same in here, and if we do it with lasers, we can actually know exactly where you are in the room. Can I, and it's cheap. Can I uh, demonstrate with my words the? resolution of this by telling everyone about the matrix game sure it wasn't actually the matrix but you basically have the powers of the matrix it's a first person shooter game oh man i gotta explain the beginning of it because the beginning beginning of it was the scariest thing i've ever experienced or are you talking about robo recall Uh, i think robo recall okay but there are a couple of them that do there are a bunch of them they're doing this so it's a first person shooter essentially you're fighting robots you've got guns exactly what you'd expect right um however it also plays with time dilation. So when you're getting attacked, the more you hold still, the more the game slows down. Oh, that's super hot. And so you're in, a, you're in this fast pace, shoot them up, shoot them up. But then if someone starts to shoot at you and the bullets are coming, if you hold and move really slowly, the game time slows down. And all of a sudden, you can physically grab bullets out of well, the air and throw them back at the robots. So this is an example of many different ways of tackling interesting things right but you can play with time like that in super hot the whole scene that you're in doesn't move if you don't move so there are are people running at you and if you want to see like what direction they're moving you just hold really still and you go okay that guy's over there so as soon as i move again i'm gonna shoot him and then i'm gonna shoot that and then once you start to move the scene starts to move it's a, it's 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 incre- it gives you Robo Recall. Just when you get shot at, the bullets move slowly. Yeah, robots yeah. still move at the same speed, but the bullets slow down because they can't move at real speed. They would then they would be real bullets. Yeah, once you, just you t- would get hit by all of them the instant you knew you were being shot at. Because that's, that's what happens works. in a real gunfight, right? <laughs> so people have a misrepresentation of what a first-person shooter would be like in reality. <laughs> the first-person shooter game ends very quickly for almost everyone, right? <laughs> um. That t- the time dilation in that game, uh, I actually didn't get to play it because either I was too frantic and you made me do something else or it froze, one or the other. But that was the most creative thing, I think, the most creative use of the system um, because it really, I hadn't really thought about that, how that time dilation plays in a world like The Matrix where, where Neo uh, is ducking around bullets. It, it, it was the perfect implementation of that, right? You have to slow down and reality slows down which 
actually is kind of what happens in regular reality too when it sort of is touching on a meditative component here you experience life differently if i go do yoga for an hour at the end of a work day versus go and watch an hour of tv my evening is way longer if i do yoga it's way fast if i just pound through eight episodes of netflix tv there's time dilation that this is drawing out that you experience in real life that the crossover was it was this experience so far has made me reflect on regular life pretty dramatically in some very bizarre ways well because it's a it's it's philosophically speaking it dwells right at that that door of like i think therefore i am right Right. like like this idea of the best you've got for perceiving the world is the way that your 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 tools for perceiving the world that was that was all of the experiences were virtual experiences but they may have may as well have been real they may as well have been reality i physically grabbed a bullet out of the air and threw it back at a robot and killed it (laughs) and (laughs) just what's so crazy to me on the front of why to take this seriously is because when I think about the things that when I was a teenager and I didn't have other responsibilities bearing on my ability to just enjoy things, like I remember things like the matrix, right? Like for the weird slow motion gunfights and how badass those characters and the mythology was. And and like, and that stuff is, in Robo Recall, you're standing there and there are robots running at you and you can put both hands behind your back and pull back two shotguns and just blow away two robots. <laughs> and I just described a scene from The Matrix, right? Like, so the same yeah. thing that I used to watch and go, oh, that's so cool. You can just do now. It is- there's teenagers right now who can just do that. If I had that choice at the time, I would not have gone to The Matrix. I would have just gone and done the thing that's so badass, right? Like... Your it's, urge was to act out scenes. My urge was to right. behave in that game the way I saw uh, Keanu Reeves behaving in The Matrix. I, Via I your to Dungeons make- and Dragons wizard, <laughs> right? <laughs> your level <Through> 52. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but I, so, so I don't know. I feel like we it's everywhere left to go with this is to get too deep on either the philosophy or the this or is a the, good you know we can or the I technology think, or any of that stuff right? i think but episodes like, two and three of our vr special yeah uh, i guess it's gonna have to be <laughs> we, right we always, we always make these good decisions <laughs> this was a really this was we wanted to do a first impression this was my first impression of right uh this this i will never forget this experience this was a transition to something new in the world that's why i bought one um because that's and, how and my I, first one went. It was real quick at a conference. I was, I I was just, not expecting But it was that kind of thing where I played with it for 10 minutes. And then afterwards, it's like just walking around going, I can't focus on other things. I've, I've, played, <laughs> I've played with VR type stuff my whole life, right? Like we had, this has been a thing that's been on right. the horizon. I'm co- air quoting horizon. We were right for, at the age group, which for we're a long the time. only people that grew up with digital entertainment as a consistent. Right. Like when did you get From your first? Beginning. When like when were you playing Nintendo regularly at friends' houses or you had your own? I I vaguely remember like requesting a Nintendo and a computer. And in fact, maybe I was even given a Nintendo before I knew to request one. I can't remember, right? So I've essentially had digital entertainment and digital production and digital writing and reading since I was essentially my entire existence. And VR has been a theme through all of that. There's mm-hmm. lots of great science fiction about right. There were VR movies idea. long before I was born. So 
this was the first time I've used I've used the new headphone or the new smartphone headsets that you can plug them in and stuff. They're just them by themselves. But this was the first time I, I used it, uh, and it was just blatantly obvious that this is this was Minority Report. This was me as Batman. This was where I can go to do work and write on an infinite number of whiteboards, where I will store uh, research material to go and look things up later. Every, this was... This was all those things for real now. And it, it, it has a long, even... lot of things it can still do to improve. A tremendous, an unlimited number of things. But it has surpassed the point uh, where it's not going away again. This is this is here for real now, and it's so turning then, into real things. So the next, the next first impression follow-up we'll have to do on this one is when you inevitably get your own rig, we'll, we'll do something social. Yeah. Because everybody's first impression when you say you got to put a headset on is like, oh, that's so isolating. And it's like, you don't talk to me when you're looking at your phone and we're in the same room. So it's no, the isolation is very not, it's, anyway, we can talk about that piece <laughs> later, right? I think, I, I haven't had any particularly social experiences, but I think from everything that I've heard that it's going to be a similarly like, well, it felt like you were in the room. Yeah. Even though I was missing 50% of the data I thought I would need to feel like you were right. in the room. Yeah, I mean, what I think data it's do I feel need right way. now? I don't need any data. I'm sitting on a chair 10 feet from you right? with a mic on. It's even funnier that we're actually doing this one in person. It's especially right? appropriate. Because it's how much you move your hands, how much <laughs> you move your head, how much your body moves. These are all reproducible things now, totally. right? So like maybe I can't see your face, but at least personally, like here's like a mindfulness exercise you guys can try at home try to pay attention to how much you do actually look at someone's face during an interaction yeah because if you do it for too long it's creepy and they it's and everyone creepy. wants you to stop that's a good thing right? I, i've done this before in in various meditation techniques where you have to lock eye contact with someone and look at them for five minutes it is horrifying it's impossible you've never done it in your life and thus someone has sat you down and made you do that it is very, very weird, and you go through all kinds of strange thoughts and feelings and emotions. Uh, try that. If you have a significant other or a really good friend that you don't mind weirding out, <laughs> sit down and stare at them for five minutes or even for 60 seconds. Man, this was a, it's funny that we, we, came, we had to come together physically to experience virtual reality to individually but together right. to then come back and do a podcast in the same room that we usually do <laughs> right. virtually. But think about that, because that relates to the percentage of, of interaction that is reproducible virtually also, right? So, so seeing someone's expression is a super concentrated way to get some data about what's going on in this interaction right now, but it's not one that you need like persistent fidelity with. Nope. Like, so hands and heads, like, I think it's going to be super, I think when you get in there with other people, it's just going to be like, oh, high five, homie. And Absolutely. Then you do some shit together and then you leave the same as you would if you were going to play golf. You know? I've got to assume there's an app already that you can scan your room with your smartphone and have that room reproduced inside of HTC Vive. So I could literally be doing this literally. I don't even know what. I know that's never the right word. Right. I hate that it's in my lexicon <laughs> and I hate more that people know it's not the right word, but I can virtually do this, but it might as well say I can physically do this with you now right. in, a, in this headset and this experience would be almost identical. Except I wouldn't have to hear the air hissing from your AC vent or your, your Roomba that was running around in the living room. Right. My experience might even be better, <laughs> right? Yeah. I could be on a yacht in the Mediterranean doing this, but I'd be in your room. And then that gets back to the same could thing actually do that we're always those, talking but. about. I think that's awesome, and I think it has a place 
in people's lives because obviously social contact is super important for us. But what do you do with the universe where that does? Because it is isolating. Yeah. You should go actually play golf with your buddies, I think. Do you, how do you lead a healthy life if the option is to never actually have to go outside and you actually can live in the fluid sack that you've you always know, just wanted to float in? Do you know what it, it draws attention to the fact that you should be hugging the people that you hang out with more often and that you should be physically interacting with them more, uh, I think, because everyone's kind of like, well, what about the human piece? And if I can see you in VR, I'm essentially capturing 99.999% of what is happening in reality. Uh, We don't have the hugging part yet. So you're saying that (laughs) next time we record this in person, we should hold hands. The whole time. (laughs) Uh, That sounds weird, but actually that is a really neat part of being human, right? That you can physically touch stuff. And we're for sure going to replace that soon with VR. Uh, And that's going to be a whole new level, right? When we have full physical touch. Uh, But that's a piece that is distinctly human right now that's not virtualized yet. And we only have a little bit left to hold on to. (laughs) You know? Well, that certainly is, is <laughs> as good a place as any to get out of here. Oh, go! I think you need to give me a physical hug real quick. Go this hug. Might be the last people. one. It's gonna be all puffy on the mic. Good uh, hug, buddy. Good, good hug, buddy. Uh, yeah. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for hanging out for another one of these. We uh, oh, we're definitely gonna do some more VR stuff. I think at this point. Like, go play something right now. Well, for one, yes. <laughs> Real quick, I got to go soon. (laughs) Thank you, as always, to our backers on Patreon who help keep this thing going. If you want to throw us as little as a dollar an episode, go to patreon.com slash zengineeringpod. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon. Patreon. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. And Chewbacca says... That was a good one. You had that locked and loaded. (laughs) I think our intro so far has been these guys are huge geeks of course they're excited 